Bethlehem has quite a history, quite a story behind it. In fact, I think oftentimes because of what happens at Christmas time, we forget the significance of what Bethlehem has played all throughout the narrative. To Jacob, it's where he buried his wife, who died giving birth to their son Benjamin. To Ruth, of new beginnings. It was the city where she settled with her mother-in-law and met her husband Boaz, gave birth to her child Obed, who would eventually give birth to a child named David, who would become the king of Israel. To David, it was a place where he was called. It's a place where God anointed him. It was in the the pasture fields on the outskirts of the town of Bethlehem where he watched the sheep. He was a shepherd foreshadowing the good shepherd that would be to come. To, to Mary and Joseph, I wonder what Bethlehem was. I mean, think about it. Over the course of the last several months leading up to their trip to Bethlehem, life had been pretty crazy. What was supposed to be a really happy time in their engagement kind of took a really weird turn when an angel showed up and said, hey, I got a different plan for you. Joseph, not fully knowing yet what God had told Mary, made up his mind that he would not embarrass her. He'd just divorce her quietly and move on. But God had other plans and as Sean so beautifully shared with us tonight, began to share a promise with Joseph that would change his life forever. But in the months that followed, can you imagine the significance of all that they went through? I mean, Joseph's friends probably regularly saying to him, why are you sticking with this girl? Obviously, she cheated on you. Obviously, she's an adulteress. Why would you stay with her? And no matter how much he would have shared about God's promise to them, No way they could have got their heads wrapped around it. For Mary, she needed to get away from the shame for a while and went to visit her cousin Elizabeth only to have God once again kind of embed that promise with her when she finds out Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, and the baby leaps inside of Elizabeth's womb when Mary walks in pregnant with Jesus. I kind of imagine that Bethlehem must have been almost like a relief. Let's get out of Dodge. Let's not even worry about what we pack. Let's just get away from the madness and see if we can't get to the birth. And then they get to town, and there's no place. No place there to welcome them. There's no real place for them to stay, more than likely because the census has now had all the rooms filled with family that had come to register because of what Augustus had required. And yet, in the stillness of that night, Bethlehem took on a whole new meaning. Because in the town named for bread, the bread of life was born. 
presence of God with all of humanity spotlight in this town of Bethlehem radically changed the forecast in the future and the trajectory of the hope of the world. This isn't new. This isn't a a new idea. For hundreds of years, God had been trying to tell the world over and over and over, I want you to come back to me. But I know you're not going to get there on your own, so I'm going to send a Messiah. And that promise had been reiterated time and time again, and generation after generation had heard it. And yet, many missed it when he finally showed up. Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus focuses in on Joseph, largely because of Matthew's background, he cared more about the lineage of Joseph than he did the lineage of Mary. And in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, he tells us this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. I love that Matthew shares the birth story of Jesus in the context of history. All of this was done, Matthew says, so that we would understand the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah 700 years before. Everything that the angel said to Joseph, everything that the angel had said to Mary, matched what what Isaiah had said and prophets had said for hundreds of years leading up to the birth of Christ. And the significance is found In the name that Isaiah says he will be called. Emmanuel. God with us. Tonight we're going to be looking at this idea of what it means to experience the presence of Christmas. The presence of Christ. Because God is with us. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The gift of God's presence proves that God is reliable so we can trust him. The moment Jesus was birthed in Bethlehem. Everything that had been promised for centuries came true. The location, penned by the prophet Micah. The name, by Isaiah. The countless other prophecies leading up to all that happens in this moment reminds us that God can be trusted. Despite his consequences that he had to give Israel for their sins, despite the punishment and the separation, despite the 400 years of silence, 
God was proving once again he could be trusted. See, when we get to the Gospels, it becomes he's here. What God said he would do, he did. And from that, we can see that God can be trusted. In Isaiah, we find a promise that God gave King Ahaz at a particularly troubling time in Israel's history. The Lord will give you a sign. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will call him Emmanuel. Can you imagine 700 years before? He had no idea what that meant. Now, we're seeing it play out. You see, God was reliable. He is reliable. And ultimately, here's the thing that we need to understand living on this side of the manger. The God who was reliable, is reliable, will remain reliable. And God's promise to be with us continues on. Is there any wonder that at the end of his time on earth, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I will be with you always. What's he saying? I'm still Emmanuel. Whether I'm here in human form or I'm back in heaven, I'm still God with you. The Hebrew writer penned it this way, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Let me ask you this question. In the midst of all the craziness of your life right now, have you experienced the presence of God through the person of Jesus Christ in such a way that you say, I can trust him. When, when things don't go your way, when you don't get the job that you want, when you get the diagnosis that you don't want, when you've lost something or someone that you never wanted to lose, do you still trust him? See, it's the presence of God that enables that kind of trust. It's the presence of God that says... He is reliable, he is faithful, and I can trust him. But it's bigger than that. You see, the gift of God's presence not only means proves that God's reliable so we can trust him, the gift of God's presence means that God is knowable so we get to have a relationship with him. This is bigger than I'm the God who will fulfill my promises. This is I'm the God who wants to know you. I'm the God who deeply loves you. I'm the God that wants to be in relationship with you. All throughout scripture, God shows up to humans, right? Like in really cool ways. Sometimes in earthquakes and fires and torrential downpours and fierce winds. Like God shows up in powerful ways, right? Why did he show up as a baby? Why as a human? There's only one explanation. The explanation is this. He wants to have a relationship with his creation. He wants to be one of us so that he can get to know us. And there's some of us that undoubtedly at one point or another in our lives have said this. I don't feel God's presence. <clears throat> if, I, if I could just feel his presence right now in the midst of whatever's going on in my life. If I could feel it, it would prove to me he is who he says he is. And yet, and yet, he's already done everything he needs to do to prove that he wants to be with us. Many years ago, I saw a comic strip in a, a newspaper. Yes, those print newspapers. Some of you know what those are, right? And, and in that comic strip, uh, there was a, a father and a son on a snowy day looking in a front window. And as they're looking in the front window, there's all these amazing displays and Christmas trees and mannequins and all this stuff. It's the Christmas scene. And there was a sign 
right in the front of the window that says this, come in and shop, let's make this the best Christmas ever. That's the sign in the window. But the caption over top of the father's head in the comic strip simply said this, how are they going to top the first one? How are they going to top the first one? You see, in that first one, what God does is says, I want to come near to my creation. The creation that I didn't just speak into existence, but that I took time forming with my own hands. I want to know them. I want to love them. I want to be in relationship with them. And I, and I want to make it personal. I want to be with them. I want to draw near them. That's what Emmanuel means. I want to challenge us this Christmas season. Not to just focus on Emmanuel, God, with us. But if you were to tweak that Hebrew word and say Emmanuel, N-I-E-L, it means God with me. Let me ask you this. Have you come to a, a realization that the God of the universe wants to have that kind of relationship with you? That Jesus didn't just come for the whole world He came because you mattered in his world. That Jesus said, I want to be with them. This is what wrecked Paul. Anybody ever read the words of Paul and knows how many times he talks about how Christ has affected him? Right? Paul says things like this. For me to live is Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God with me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You see, Paul knew what it meant to experience Emmanuel, God with me. I'm afraid, especially in American Christianity, we've gotten so caught up in saying Emmanuel, God with us, that we've forgotten the personal nature of God with me. See, the presence of God shows us that God wants to be knowable. He wants to be known by us, which means you get to have, I get to have a relationship with the God of the universe. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 1 said it this way, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many ways and various ways by the prophets, but in these days he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. The God of the universe has come near to you. You see, a a distant God, a distant God, would have orchestrated these events in a very different way, don't you think? Like a distant God would have said, I'll just make it happen. I'll speak into into existence. I'll just make Mary and Joseph do something. Or I'll just make all of humanity change their ways. Or I'll just set something in motion and I won't be present in it. A, A distant God wouldn't be personal. But the birth of Jesus proves the personal nature of God himself. The very imprint of the glory of God born in flesh in a manger in Bethlehem. Make no mistake about it. God has never been far. And his invitation from the very beginning has been come. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he 
with me. Those of you that are in discipleship groups have read that recently in the book of Revelation. I was thinking about it this week. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, how much does God want a personal relationship with Adam and Eve? So much that he comes down from however he does eternity into earth and walks with them every night in the garden. In fact, the punishment that he gives to Adam and Eve when they sin and withdrawing his presence would have wounded him as much as it did them. God has never been distant. And all throughout Israel's disobedience and humanity's disobedience, God was speaking and God was putting himself, inserting himself into the world because he wanted a relationship with them. And here he says, I have the plan. I'm going to send a part of me my son, to be part of you, to be one of you, Emmanuel, God with us. He walked with them in the garden, and then he came down in Bethlehem to do it again because he wants a relationship with you. Finally, gift of God's presence shows us that God is approachable so we can draw near to him. You know what I love about this story? If you read, and I hope you do, it's one of our family traditions on Christmas morning, we'll read Luke 2 together before we do anything else as a family. It's something we did in our home growing up. It's something now that Ellie and Jojo do with us before we do anything else on Christmas morning. We read Luke 2. If you read Matthew 1, you read Luke 2, you read the stories of, of the birth of Jesus, one of the things that I love about it is how many people are invited to participate. And not just how many people are invited to participate, the types of people that are invited to participate. Why? Because God came near and his presence said, I'm approachable. Shepherds, I don't care how much you stink. Come be a part of it. I don't, how long you, I don't care how long you've been sleeping with the sheep. Come hang out with me. A, ma- a child is born in a manger in Bethlehem. I can't help but think that the craziness of that night as Mary has given birth to a child and all of a sudden these strange men show up. And yet, because they know the gift of their son is not only for them, they would have welcomed him. Come on in. I still remember preparation for JoJo's birth. Erin's in the, in the room getting ready, and she's starting to have contractions, and all the craziness is happening. It's a week early. Brad, you'll understand this in two or three weeks. Right? And, like, the craziness of those moments, and what made it even crazier was the number of people... and. I've lost count. I try to remember today, Aaron, and you can correct me later if you want to. But like, there were at least seven or eight people who came in the room who said, hey, I'm going to be in the room when your daughter's born, and I'd like to bring someone with me. Ohio State's a teaching hospital. We get it. But at some point, we're like, I don't think you can fit any more people in this room. When they finally opened the doors to let me in, when it was time for them to get JoJo out, I walked in, and there were at least 20 people in the room. And I was like, holy smokes. My daughter's either a rock star or something's really wrong. Like, something's happening here, right? Why? There were all these people in here. And at one point, Erin looked at me, and she's like, I know this is a teaching hospital, but I don't need any more people around me right now. I, I kind of feel like now I understand what it must have been like for Joseph and for Mary. And that night as they finally given birth to a son and all these random people show up to experience it. And yet for them, they understood something. 
The gift was not theirs. It was all of ours. And God's presence on earth meant all of the entire world was invited to experience and draw near to him. Before the Christmas story, there was only ever one human being ever to draw near, allowed to draw close to the presence of God in Judaism. It was the high priest. And he was only able to do it one time a year. The presence of God veiled behind a curtain all kinds of mystery and only one person deemed responsible enough to approach the throne of God and yet the presence of God in a manger in Bethlehem and the person of Jesus tore that apart later on down the road when he died on a cross. Why? Because God wants you to approach him. And the conduit, the way, is Jesus himself. That's why I love John's words when he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally pitched a tent in the midst of us. That's what it means. Hebrews chapter 4 puts it this way. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So then let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What's the Hebrew writer talking about? Because of Jesus and the presence of God in the manger in Bethlehem, we all have the opportunity to approach the presence of the throne of God. Through Jesus Christ. Some of us in this room might be a, a little bit like Jacob. Bethlehem in this Christmas season is a time of tears and mourning and grief. You reflect on people that are gone and lives that have been lost and people that you love. Others of you, you might be more like Ruth, like this is a time of opportunity. You've gone through difficult times, but God's beginning to open new doors of opportunity. And now you get to experience something new and something fresh and bigger than you ever possibly could understand. Others of you might be experiencing this Christmas season like David. That God has called you uniquely to something new. His anointing is upon you. And now you have to go live into it and take what you have learned in the pasture fields and make something great out of it. For others of you, it might be like Mary and Joseph. This Christmas season might just be the rest and the relief that you need from the craziness and the chaos of the world. You just need to sit in the presence of God and take a deep breath. You see, throughout history, Bethlehem has been all of those things to all kinds of people. And Christmas is much the same for us today, isn't it? And the beauty of it is this, regardless of who you are and which of those scenarios you find yourself in, the presence of God means that you can trust his reliability. You can have a relationship and know him, and you can approach him with confidence because he wants you to draw near to him. I don't know about you, but that's a reason to celebrate this Christmas season.
In the Old Testament, it was often said that God was for his people. In fact, he claimed that a lot. I am for you. I am for my people. God was the one who guided their destiny. And from time to time, he intervened in their history to deliver them. And it's good to know that God is for you. But isn't it greater to know that God is with you? And you know what's great? The New Testament carries that out. If God is for us, who can be against us? But if God is with us, we are never truly alone. If you're going to tweet or post anything this week, as we prep ourselves for the heart of Christmas, I want it to be this. Christmas reminds us that the greatest presence we can ever experience is God with us. God for us, God with us, and if we'll allow him, God within us. Father, I thank you for this time together tonight. And as we prep our hearts to take communion together, as we prep ourselves to to wrap up this time together tonight, I pray that your presence would be very real with us. God, I pray that you would draw very close to us during this moment. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us, whether we're like Jacob and grieving during this season, or Ruth and an excited about something new during the season or we're David and we're we're accepting a calling during the season or whether we're like Mary and Joseph and we just need to rest in the presence of Jesus during the season I pray that Christmas this Christmas more than ever we would experience your presence not just Emmanuel God with us but Emmanuel God with me and may we rest in the reliability knowing that we could trust you May we rest in knowing that you want to have a relationship with us. And may we rest and find comfort and joy recognizing that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because you came near to us. I pray, Lord, as we now turn our hearts to you during these moments of silence, that you would reveal yourself to us in fresh and new ways. Lord, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Amen.